Welcome back to another co-hosted episode of It's Your Business. Thanks for tuning in. I think we're getting into a real groove here. And we're especially excited about today's guest because he joins us from Ames, Iowa, and is the first plug-and-play startup we're shining a light on. Hope you enjoy the show. We're talking today with Darren Heisterkamp. He is president of a startup called NanoSpy, which has developed a new state-of-the-art biosensor that can detect pathogens in food by providing results in just 20 minutes. NanoSpy was chosen earlier this year to participate in the most recent cohort of Topeka's Plug and Play Accelerator Program. If you're unfamiliar with Plug and Play, we have another It's Your Business podcast episode where Katrine and I talk all about it. You can also find previous reporting on the program at cjonline.com. We're talking with Darren today about the ins and outs of NanoSpy, as well as the startup's involvement in the local Plug and Play Accelerator. And we hope this is the first of many Plug and Play participants we'll highlight on the show. So Darren, welcome. Thanks for being on the It's Your Business podcast with us. All right. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, to start off, uh, Darren, could you tell us about uh, the work that NanoSpy does and, and how the business got started exactly? So um, NanoSpy is developing a, a new platform for uh, a biosensor type of device. And the platform is based off lower cost materials and lower methods of manufacturing than is currently being used in the marketplace. Um, the company got its start actually at Iowa State University in the Department of Mechanical Engineering. My two co-founders are associate professors on faculty at Iowa State University, and they collaborated together to invent and develop this technology. Um, and then uh, together we have formed NanoSpy, and we've licensed the technology from Iowa State University to bring it to market. And Darren, how many people are involved with your startup at this time? Right now, there's just the three of us, uh, so we're still relatively uh, new as a startup company. We 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 formed uh, a few years ago in 2017 and optioned the technology from the university. And in that interim, there's been some additional development that has gone on uh, uh, at the university with uh, with my colleagues, uh, and and got it to the point where. We were ready to conclude the license uh, right at the time when the first patent for the technology was uh, just being awarded, uh, and additional patents were, were being um, um, applied for uh, for the platform technology. So we're at a place now where the technology is available to us in a position that can then be taking those last engineering steps and turn it into a commercializable product. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and, and, and talking about the uh, technology that you guys are creating, uh, I mean, obviously state of the art here, who who exactly is your kind of ideal customer? I mean, who are you trying to to, to market these products to? Sure. So uh, the biosensor market itself is, is rather large, um, estimated to be about $23 billion last year. And there's a number of, of key segments that make up the biosensor market. You do a lot of point of use um, diagnostics, in-home care diagnostics, uh, you get other research, you get uh, safety and security, and you also get the food industry is, is uh, becoming very interested in the biosensor technology. So uh, NanoSpy being located here in the Midwest, um, access to food companies was a very first natural step for us. 
So we reached out to a number of the food processing companies that are located throughout the Midwest here and discussed their needs with them. And we've taken that as essentially our first approach is to help them in the detection of bacteria uh, that is pathogenic to humans that can sometimes contaminate food that gets out into the marketplace. And so being able to uh, provide a solution to these food companies that helps them uh, detect any pathogenic contamination that could be occurring uh, quickly enough so that they can take intervention steps and help prevent some of those uh, bacteria like uh, salmonella or listeria or E. coli uh, get onto the food and get put into the, the food supply chain and out into the consumer markets. Yeah, food safety is such an important topic today. Um, so uh, it's certainly very much needed uh, product in the market. Um, and congr congratulations to being selected uh, for the first um, inaugural cohort at Plug and Play here in Topeka. Um, I'm wondering, um, yes, go ahead. No, I'm very happy about that too. So thank you very much. <laughs> I was wondering what made you apply to the uh, program and what uh, do you hope to get out of it? Mm -hmm. Well, there's uh, some things that I've learned about the uh, requirements and the needs of a startup company. Um, just a little bit of background. Um, I spent most of my career working with small companies and startup companies uh, and trying to find traction for their products into the marketplace, uh, primarily finding uh, opportunities overseas. Um, in Ames, I was affiliated with a, a, a group that got started called the Startup Factory, which was designed to um, help uh, you know, companies with startup ideas try to form a company around those ideas and bring them into a commercial reality. Uh, you know, they chose the path of selecting types of technology that had national or international uh, potential for sales. Um, you know, which uh, an, an intentional choice to focus on as opposed to um, a small business that may occupy a storefront on Wall Street or on a, on a Main Street, for example, right? So in those two types of businesses require different approaches and different support. And the Startup Factory tried to focus on um, a technology that could scale nationally and internationally. And as part of that group, uh, being a mentor for that group, being part of the core teaching team for that group, and helping with the, the first two years worth of the cohorts that came through there, you understand that a lot of what a startup company needs is really connection to its marketplace and to resources and guidance on the use of those resources that will help them become successful. And when I found Plug and Play, and I understood that their understood their business model and the relationships they have with the you know, global uh, successful corporations who participate with them in, in finding and supporting uh, technology that is getting developed by startup companies, it seemed like a very natural place for us to become involved. So we submitted our profile, described what it is we were trying to do, the targets that we were going after, uh, the type of uh, support we were looking for as essentially a very young startup company. And I think the... Um, you know, the whole model of connecting uh, corporate partners with these new and innovative ideas that spring up out of the startup mindset, you know, was a great nexus, a great platform to bring all this stuff together. So it's, it sounds like then from um, from what you've just said that, you know, really forming those corporate partnerships and, and getting you guys to that next level is, is kind of one of your or, or what you hope will be one of your key takeaways from plug and play. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's the misconception that um, a lot of startup companies fail because they don't raise money. Uh, what actually is the case is a lot of startup companies fail because they try to make something that nobody wants to buy. Mm. And so there's that disconnect between the startup company and their innovation and what the market needs and the, and the problems they need to have satisfied. So the opportunity through plug and play to get uh, develop close relationship with corporate partners who have, you know, essentially met with NanoSpy in that uh, platform, in that forum, and expressed, you know, what their needs are that our technology can uh, satisfy, that helps us ensure that uh, the additional and continuing development that we do on our product will be constantly aligned towards satisfying something that the market really needs. And corporate partners will do a great job in ensuring that the development that um, is pursued will be meaningful to them, something that they can implement and put into practice for whatever it is that they are trying to solve. Gotcha. Okay. And it, um, I, I'm assuming that you and your two uh, business partners are all um, taking part in, in the plug and play sessions and that sort of thing. Is that accurate? Yes, that is. Whenever we have an opportunity to uh, speak with a corporate partner, um, participate in some networking, uh, you know, we're all there to make sure that, you know, that uh, we all get the same message and help convey, uh, you know, what our value proposition is to the to the marketplace. Um, I'm not a technologist. I'm, I am on the commercial side of this uh, startup company. Uh, my two scientist friends, they are all the technical side. But there needs to be the, the you got to meld those two together when you're uh, speaking to the marketplace. Uh, so that, bet, the, yeah. that there's a pathway to commercialization and that what is being developed is definitely meaningful. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting concept you talk about there, having to have, I mean, you, you need the brains behind the operation, but you also need someone who can effectively communicate what the ideal is, what the product is. It's something I'm <laughs> you know, very familiar with in journalism, having to figure out how to convey a topic or a subject to, to your readership so that they're interested and want to know more about it. So, so that's an interesting concept. Uh, interesting uh, facet to bring up. <laughs> yeah, and it makes me think of the fact that, uh, you know, I'm learning every time uh, we have these conversations. I'm learning from India. I'm learning from uh, from our founders and entrepreneurs. And you had just mentioned something that resonated with me in that um, you were a mentor in, in some of in the startup factory that you just mentioned in, 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 in Iowa, right? And you never stop learning. Uh, you keep you're now the mentee, right? Who takes advantage of the networking opportunities? It is never a done process. You have to keep that open mind, and um, you know the, you never know where the next idea comes from. And if you're if you're inquisitive and and open, then uh, that takes you to 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 a successful business endeavor. I think. And, and speaking of mentoring, um, that's also a very valuable asset that is available to us as a startup company with plug and play. Uh, the network to they have to professionals uh, in all industries uh, that they can find and and select, you know, almost the perfect mentor uh, for whatever stage of company you are, for whatever industry or sector that you are in. Uh, because, you know, um, as I've experienced mentoring companies, they get... Um, really embedded in their company and really attuned to their own technology that they're, they're, 
they sometimes are unable to see differently. And so a mentor being outside of that day-to-day operation is able to ask questions that wouldn't come up because, uh, you know, that's not where the person's mindset is inside the company. So being on the inside of a company now, it would uh, not suit me very well if I were to presume that having done this, I would know the answers. (laughs) And so having a good mentor, you know, to... um, listen to us explain or describe the actions that were taken, the, the steps we want to pursue, uh, the roadmap we have laid out for us, and then ask us those challenging questions as an outsider, you know, seeking to understand, you know, helps us illuminate, you know, have we thought about this thoroughly enough or in the right direction? Is there, you know, I mean, you're about halfway through this uh, plug and play session now. It began at the near the beginning of April, um, and it's about three months long. Or each plug and play session is expected to be about three months long. Um, you know, you've talked about why you chose to get involved, but is there um, a, a key takeaway so far? You know, about halfway through, is there is there a piece of information that has been v- really valuable that you've learned so far? Well, there, there are a number of things that are available uh, to us as, as uh, cohort members uh, for this uh, first batch here in Topeka. And there are a number of um, uh, webinars and seminars that uh, Plug and Play holds. And I think, you know, the ability to uh, participate in each of those as your time requires and as your interest uh, lends itself is very helpful. Um, definitely, you know, information on how to polish up your pitch deck, you know, for the type of audience that, that you're looking for. Um, you know, you have an opportunity to engage directly one-on-one with professionals who have done this more often than, you know, I have, that's for sure, um, and can help understand how that story gets woven through the beginning to the end of your pitch. Um, and, other, and other information on you know, working with uh, corporate partners, you know, uh, the, the corporate partners that participate uh, in plug and play, you know, there are, you know, global 1000 companies that are out there doing this stuff. And here, you know, we're a three person startup with a with a with a new technology spun out of a university. And, you know, the, the, the relationships as we view them versus the relationships that the corporate partners, you know, have practice understanding how how we can communicate together with those corporate partners is also very important. So, you know, the, um, the, the brokering of that relationship and the structuring and managing of that relationship and, and the counseling that we get and the guidance we get on how to, um, you know, try to be a successful partner with, with their corporate sponsors is also very important for us. You know, so that's something that's a good takeaway. That's awesome, and and I I love the um, the amount of opportunity that comes with the plug and play program, right? I I often say that you create wins wherever you look, right? <laughs> you create wins for startups, you create wins for uh, the corporate partners, you create wins for for plug and play, right? Uh, by creating those partnerships, and you're also creating wins for for our community for sure. Um, a lot of times we talk about um, scale 
and uh, how it's important for uh, startup companies once they are at the uh, prototype or minimally viable product stage that they get connected to partners that help them scale, um, you know, their uh, their their product, their their operations, and so on. Um, can you give us a little bit of an um, of your view? Uh, what that means for a company like Nan- Nanospy? What does scaling up mean for you? Mm-hmm. So the you know getting to, getting to the point of actually transitioning into scaling and manufacturing, you know it, it does come after the point where you've reached a commercializable product that has been confirmed is going to be accepted and have value to the marketplace. And up to that point, you know, through that engineering cycle, that development cycle that brings you to that point, you know, there's a certain amount of resource and a certain amount of support and dedicated focus that helps bring that out. And sometimes, you know, that gets accomplished by an equity partner. Uh, A lot of times, definitely in the plug and play model, it gets accomplished working closely with a corporate partner. Now, what that means when you transition then from that development to a commercializable product to scaling is that that corporate partner essentially becomes a validation for you uh, to go out and raise that next larger round of capital, a series A round of capital or a subsequent series B round of capital, which are all designed to help um, scale the product as fast as feasible because you've got that relationship with a corporate partner that has validated what you developed, has expressed an ex- a, you know, a, a verifiable interest in consuming what it is that you have developed, and now it just needs to be built. And so that transition happens when you go from commercializable product into a scalable product, and then you get access to other market resources that can help you with that scaling aspect because there's confidence to scale when you know there's a market ready to uh, participate in that with you to acquire your product from you. Well, and, and you've mentioned uh, previously that NanoSpy, of course, is based in Ames, Iowa. Um, and I, I'm interested here in, in kind of looking uh, at the Midwest as a whole, because, you know, we've talked recently about, uh, you know, how it's not the, you know, what people think when they think startups, innovation, entrepreneurial ecosystem, they tend to look towards the coast, right? Um, and in, while Ames, Iowa is, is different, it's a different city from Topeka, they're still in the Midwest, they have this Midwest presence. Um, can you talk about, uh, you know, in your experience, what the benefits Benefits have been of getting started in the Midwest. I mean, why, what has been beneficial about that, and and why have you chosen to stay here? Sure, um, you know this this may sound a little cavalier, but one of it is the commute is very nice. Um, <laughs> very, very you know, living in Ames and working in Ames is uh, I got to imagine much different than you know living somewhere an hour and a half out of San Francisco or away from Silicon Valley and had to commute that every day. Uh, so there is a certain amount of convenience and a certain amount of quality of life that comes to staying in here, keeping the technology here close to its point of origin, uh, relying on um, any additional subsequent resources that can really help secure its success into the marketplace. Um, and so, you know, those are those are some of the, some of the um, I think, easy factors that come into play you know, when you have an idea like this. Um, and you mentioned the coast, and it's interesting, you know, when we were, when we would introduce um, the next cohorts into the Startup Factory program, there are certain things that, you know, we wanted to make sure they understood. 
with respect to what's it mean to be an entrepreneur in, you know, in this area in the United States between the two coasts. And, and the fact of the matter is that um, I think people widely know that, you know, if California were its own country, it'd be like the sixth or seventh largest economy in the entire world, right? What they don't know that if the Midwest were its own country, it would be the fifth largest economy in the entire world. Oh, wow. So mm. as a region, <laughs> uh, and there's there's over like 100 headquarters of uh, Fort, of, uh, of the um, Fortune 500 companies here in the Midwest. So as a, if the Midwest as a region has definitely a lot going for it, um, a lot of resources, a lot of, um, you know, I think technology development and, and, and the ability to be, you know, a very successful economic engine, you know, for this part of the United States. And so there are companies that are recognizing that uh, as far and even, you know, venture capital companies are recognizing that. And you're starting to see a lot more attention, you know, come into the Midwest because of it. And efforts, you know, like, you know, plug and play Topeka. Um, and efforts like, you know, what, uh, you know, the economic development that you're doing for the Topeka region there and helping find companies, you know, to take that plunge and be entrepreneurial and, and bring new organic uh, products and solutions to the marketplace. All that's happening and available throughout the Midwest. And you've got, you know, uh, you've got um, educated and uh, professional talent, you've got, uh, you know, good work ethic, you've got all sorts of things that go well to supporting that type of environment, that substantially, you know, lower um, cost of living or operational costs than if you were trying to establish this on either coast. So slowly, that type of attention gets finding its way into the Midwest. And as you said, um, startup companies often want to be close to their clients, right? So if you are in the food safety business and uh, a lot of the large food manufacturers are in the Midwest, that's a natural fit. And that's what we're trying to replicate with animal health here in Topeka because we are in the center of the animal health corridor. Well, maybe not exactly the center, but in, in the animal health corridor. And so we have a lot of the ecosystem players that um, – you know, help uh, any of the players be successful, right? Just because of that networking effect. And um, you have your suppliers here, you have your talent um, uh, pipelines here, you have your mm-hmm. um, research partners here and so on. And I think that's something that um, is important as well for, for our industries that, that we're focusing on today. Mm-hmm. Right, Absolutely. So uh, what are your next uh, next plans? What are your milestones that you have coming up at Nanospay? So our, our next uh, first objective is uh, to begin our first round of fundraising. So like I mentioned, we just recently signed a, a worldwide exclusive license for the core platform technology from Iowa State University. Um, we've been ha- we had the opportunity now to get engaged with um, the plug-and-play ecosystem, you know, so that's going to help us, I think, raise our visibility and opportunities for us, uh, both on the corporate partnership side, but also we're preparing right now for um, uh, the the uh, event they're planning with their venture capital partners as well, you know. So we'll get to you know start uh, uh, introducing ourselves to those those types of contacts. 
So uh, uh, first round of fundraising is going to be very important for us because it will help us establish our own laboratory apart from the university where the technology currently exists. And it'll, it'll give us you know, the opportunity to begin engineering the product for actual commercial implementation. Uh, so that's where we find ourselves at at the moment. Awesome. Um, well, as far as, I mean, of course, plug and play is fairly selective about who who they let in. Uh, so like Katrine said earlier, it's a, you know, a big uh, step for you guys. And then congratulations on that. Um, do you have any advice um, for, you know, early to mid stage startups who are in a maybe a similar boat to you who are who are considering, uh, you know, maybe not plug and play per se, but considering going into an accelerator program of some sort? I mean, do you have any advice for for them as as, um, as, as someone who has gone through that application process? Sure. And and I would I would encourage anybody who has a startup idea to uh, look for those types of resources that are available to them, the opportunities for an incubator or an accelerator or some type of program that can give assistance uh, to them on a number of different levels. I think, you know, the Iowa State Startup Factory that I was involved in for a couple years, um, they just recognized that that type of resource was was lacking. And, and that was a detriment to, I think, uh, the value of of uh, innovation that existed in the area. Um, you know, it was a competitive application process to get into the program and we would get, you know, regularly over two dozen applications for each of the cohorts that we would launch. And we would select eight to 10 out of each of those applications. Um, not all were university technologies. We had a fair number of people in the community who had ideas that they wanted to try to commercialize and bring to market and all had the opportunity to scale both nationally and internationally. So it's, you know, it's, it's very important that they seek those out. And I know that can be hard. Um, I've been in places where I've tried to find those types of resources and in, 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 in types of uh, metro areas where you think they should exist, but you know, sometimes they were just hard. You know, they were like a, the best kept secret that was out there. And if it's not obvious where you can, where a startup company or an entrepreneur can go to get that kind of support, you know, then a lot of these ideas just do not come to market. And so, uh, you know, the ISU Startup Factory recognized that. And what's also interesting and why something like that is so important is, um, you know, as we're preparing to launch the Startup Factory and looking at, you know, the economic impact of entrepreneurship, the, the U.S. Census Bureau, you know, you know, tracks the number of new companies that get founded and, and, and the number of people that get involved with each of those new companies. And since 1977, believe it or not, you know, startup companies, so companies that are, are less than a year old, have never created less than 2.2 million net new jobs every year since 1977. That's where, you know, your greatest employment driver comes from. You know, there, there may be years you could recognize where there have been significant job losses um, and or, you know, spikes in job losses or spikes in job gains. And a lot of that is really just the movements of the large corporations, you know, who have, a, you know, lots of people that they affect by such decisions. But for startup companies, like I said, they've never they've never generated less than 2.2 million net new jobs every year since 1977. You know, that's a powerful economic impact to a region. So finding, uh, you know, making those resources visible so that entrepreneurs and startup companies can find them and allow them to get established and participate in that economic impact is very important. 
I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And by definition, a startup creates something out of nothing, right? And so uh, the economic impact has got to be pretty large compared to, um, you know, the, the investment that's needed uh, into uh, you are a three person shop, right? So your your cash burn is, is relatively low compared to to larger organizations. And, and so the 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 impact that you can generate with, uh, you know, a relatively small amount of uh, investment is, is, is certainly huge. Um, and and so I, I couldn't agree more. And message is very well received. Um, communities need to step up and, uh, you know, provide that um, guided uh, that guide to, to, to finding the right resources for the startups to make them successful just because they are such a poten- potential large engine uh, for economic growth. Um, in, in our final section uh, of the podcast, I'd like to switch and, and, and pick your brain a little bit about your experience of uh, becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, when did you first uh, felt that you had the entrepreneurial bug and you wanted to create something out of nothing? And uh, tell us a little bit about that personal journey. Sure, sure. Um I, I, I don't necessarily know that it was one point in time where there is a life-changing event uh, that put me on this path. But uh, me personally, I grew up on a small family farm in western Iowa. And what it is about a farm is that in that environment, nothing gets done unless you're willing to do it yourself. And there yeah. is no job so small that needs to get done that you can choose not to do it. I mean, you have to do all jobs, big and small. It's all upon you in order to make that family farm successful. So I, I grew up living that. And so I was kind of shaped into that type of mindset of, of seeing what needs to get done, finding a way to get it done, and then just going to do it. Um, and that's the kind of mindset that um, I think entrepreneurs are, are made of. They, they have that experience. They've been shaped into that fashion. Um, it's not necessarily something you can teach, but um, you can at least identify some of these key characteristics that if anybody possesses, they can find ways to help amplify. So, you know, from growing up on a farm to getting into, you know, the, my professional working world, uh, as an international business professional uh, and working in small companies and start, startup companies, I just, you know, greatly enjoyed the, um, the type of work that gets done. I mean, I see, for me, the best work gets done in a startup company um, because they're, um, you know, at that level, everything needs to get done and everybody needs to be able to pitch in and, and do their part and recognize uh, at, you know, when there's so few of you in that company, that others in your team are highly reliant on you uh, as you are reliant on them you know, because there's just a few of you. There isn't a lot of depth to delegate tasks in a startup company. Everyone has to be able to want to contribute uh, any way possible and, and every way possible. So, you know, that, that type of environment, you know, the close cross-functional working uh, with the other members of your, of your team and, and like you said, you know, creating something that never existed before, you know, all that stuff is what uh, I find very motivating, you know, and, 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 you know, being able to see the, the results 
of that type of effort or, or the outcomes of those types of efforts, you know, is, is uh, to me is just very compelling. Absolutely. Um, well, Darren, that about wraps up our conversation today. Uh, do you have any other final thoughts you want to l- leave us with? Anything else on your mind that you were hoping to talk about today? No, I think that's pretty much it. You know, I like the idea of, of what you're trying to accomplish and, and, and becoming a resource. And I think um, um, there, are, there are people who, who don't take that step um, for fear of failing or fear of not knowing, you know, how it's going to come about. Uh, and so, you know, a little, a, a little bit of that kind of support, you know, that helps engender that confidence, you know, allow a lot of people to take those first steps. And the more, the more steps you can make, you know, the farther down uh, the road that you'll get, and the greater opportunity you have of, you know, creating something, you know, that is really worthwhile. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I hear some, I, I think I have yet to meet an entrepreneur that uh, ended up with the business exactly like he or she envisioned it on day one, right? So it's it's this ever evolving story. But the most important thing is to take that first step and to find the right partners to to walk that path with, right? So, And it um, sounds like you've certainly found that in plug and play. <laughs> um, and and yes. hopefully you, you will find that in some of the, the corporate partners you in, engage with moving forward. Well, Darren, it was such a pleasure to have you. Um, we hope to stay in touch with you and please reach out to us anytime if we can help. Well, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Darren. What a great conversation today. It certainly was. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you just heard, please like and subscribe. And if you know of any entrepreneur in Topeka that you would like us to highlight on this show, please let us know. To reach us, you can shoot me an email at iyarbro at cjonline.com or you can find me on Twitter. Hope you'll join us next time.